I want to get right into the Word of God. We're in a series about how to change your season. And the theme for this year is ready for it. Is there anybody ready for what God has in store for you? That seemed to be pretty tepid to me. Anybody really ready for God to unfold your destiny and unpackage it? Praise God. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. But the series that we're in about you can change your season or how to change your season simply is meant to inform you that you don't have to be stuck in life in one place the rest of your life and then wait and wait hoping something will come along that will cause that to change. You are not at the mercy of fate or circumstances. Many people believe they are. Victimization is a doctrine that seems to be heard, pushed quite a bit in this in, in the times in which we live, everybody uh, finds a certain amount of self-comfort in identifying in some measure with being a victim. But what anybody will tell you is that if that is the identity you choose to embrace, it pretty much seals your fate. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You say, well, how can you say I'm not a victim and somebody did wrong to me? Well, they did wrong. And in that sense, yes, you were treated very badly. But I'm not going to carry the label the rest of my life that I was rejected by my mama at the age of four. Which was my experience. I'm not going to carry that all my life. I'm not going to carry the experiences that went against me all of my life. And you can shift your season. And you need to do that. I'm not going to carry the fact all of my life that I'm the product of a broken home or that I was raised by my grandmother and therefore I am in any way limited by that. No, the devil meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it unto me for good. Last week I talked about how you can change your season by turning weakness into strength. And to be able to turn weakness into strength requires that we have the capacity and the courage to identify our weaknesses, first of all, and then that we possess the desire and the will to be able to overcome them. And discerning or self-assessing our weaknesses is hugely important in this process. And there's a reason for that. How many of you have lived long enough to watch that if things are weak at a certain point, if they're going to break, that's probably where they're going to break, right? There's even a management theory that is called the theory of constraints. Some of you probably have studied it that states the success of any system, any process, machinery, company, conveyor line, uh, person, marriage. It's always limited to the strength of the weakest component. And the way it works is like this. If you fasten a rope together with an iron chain and then you fasten the other end of the iron chain, I'm talking about large iron chain, fasten the other end to a large steel cable and you try to pick up a heavy weight, where is that contraption probably going to break? The weakest component will be the rope. 
And so therefore, you define the strength of that whole unit on the basis of the fact that its weakest component is only rated at so much. And therefore, to increase the lifting capacity of what has been designed, you're going to have to replace the rope with something else or find a stronger rope. And thankfully, God is all about empowering us in our weaknesses. How many of you live long enough to know that you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you're grateful? Can I hear an amen? Yes. In our text today, there is a man who had a weakness. Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And he, Jesus, entered the synagogue again. That's his house. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So they, the they here are the Pharisees, watched him closely. Rather, he would heal him, the man with the withered hand, on the Sabbath. Hmm. So that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to him, is it lawful on the Sabbath to them, rather, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him, Christ, that they might destroy him. Father, would you speak a word to us today in that insightful, knowing way that you have of identifying where we are and what we need to hear. And then through the anointing of your word, help me to hide behind the cross for the next few minutes while you speak to us and inform us of the truths that can transform our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. I want to speak to you from this subject this morning. Stretch. Jesus said, stretch out your hand. This man that had a withered hand was dealing with an obvious physical weakness in his life. He was limited in his ability to receive because... He could not grasp or hold on to things the way that you and I can. And his problem was further exacerbated by the fact that he was surrounded by people who never challenged him to move beyond those limitations. And that's often the case with us. We're unable to shift out of our circumstance, not because God doesn't want us to, he does, but because we're encouraged in our weakness to remain where we were. There is often a thin line between embracing people and loving them enough to challenge them. We live in a world that seems to believe that if you challenge anybody, you're rejecting their worth or their value at that moment. That's not true because if I love my kids, I want to challenge them. If you love me, you'll challenge me and help me be better. You've often heard me say, compliments are great, thank you, I appreciate that, but if you want to know the truth, all it does is identify what I'm already doing well. And while I'm grateful, you want to really help me? Point out an area that I can improve in 
and not with some bad attitude where you're just casting stones, but identify a way for me to move forward and help me see that in love. I will owe you a debt because you've improved my product. And that in turn helps me to be a better pastor. And so I don't resent that. I welcome that. There are those that don't want you to climb above your situation. And Jesus was angry with the Pharisees because that was their heart. They did not help this man achieve the full measure of freedom and strength that he was supposed to obtain that was destined to him by God. Christ didn't come to violate the will of the Father. If Jesus healed him, it it meant that that was always God's plan for this man's future in life. I was raised, and you've heard me say this, I think the last time I mentioned it was at the old location, so many of you folk here might not have heard that, but I was raised in southwest Louisiana, and my dad, we just didn't go out and buy shrimp and fish and crawfish and crabs We had to go catch our own. If I told my dad, let's go buy some fish to fry, he would have looked at me like, boy, what's the matter with you? And we would go crabbing. And you know what you do if you go crabbing? You get a big number three wash tub. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. And you'd get some string and you'd go to the butcher and get some chicken necks. Anybody remember this? And you'd go to the bayou and you'd tie the string around the chicken neck and throw it in those coffee-colored waters. And the next thing you know, that line start moving sideways. You knew you had one on, right? So you'd slowly end over end, pull it in, scoop the net underneath it, and that crab is so greedy, even though there's a net getting ready to haul him in, he's not going to let go. And you scoop him up and drop him in that number three wash tub. And we never put a lid over that. And I'll never forget one day, we were down in uh, south of Hackberry, Louisiana in Cameron Parish. And we had been catching crabs. And I turned to my dad. They kept trying to come up out of there. And I said, Dad, we better put something on that. They're going to get out. He said, you don't need to worry about that. They're not going to get out. And I said, well, look at them. They're sure trying. He said, watch a minute longer. And sure enough, when one was almost out, another one reach up and grab him and pull him back down. It sounds like some folk that I know and that you know that are in our lives. As long as you're not doing well, they're willing to commiserate with you. But the first time you try to climb out of your situation, who do you think you are? They're pulling you right back down. You ain't all that. They point out your weaknesses. Jesus got angry with the Pharisees because they would not allow this man to move forward. And he challenged the man with a withered hand. And he said, you have to stretch if you're going to get beyond your present limitations. And he dared to tell the man that. Stretch. These days, it seems like some folk don't want to be told that. I'm good. I'm the way I am. Who are you telling me to stretch? What, well, what's going on with that? God has some things in life for you that you will never reach just by accepting current limitations. You're not hearing me. If you don't stretch, you won't obtain them. Amen. And I want you to know something. That he's designed a miracle just for you. 
but you might have to stretch to be able to get it. He has a destiny waiting for you, a future. Know what's going on? Sorry about that. Amen. And he wants you to stretch. And so we're talking about how to change your season. And I want you to realize that in order to get what God has in store for you, you're going to need to put forth effort. It's going to require you to stretch your mental ability. It's going to require you to stretch your faith. It will require you to stretch in terms of skill. Educationally, you might have to go back to school to be everything God wants you to be. Am I talking to anybody right now? How many of you know that relationships will stretch you? You're not going to make a marriage work if you're not willing to be stretched. I can promise you that. I'm preaching, by the way, better than you're responding right now. I just thought I'd put a little asterisk right there. The importance of this principle is underscored or noted in how many times the man's story is told in the New Testament. You have four Gospels. Three of them are the synoptic Gospels, which means they tell the same stories from different perspectives. The perspectives of three different men. John's Gospel stands unique in that it describes an aspect of who Jesus is that the others kind of, they don't really get to. And so you will commonly find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, them telling stories and one told by Matthew might be repeated by Luke or it might be repeated by Mark. But when you find that it's in the the canon of scripture, the same story is recorded three times. It's like the Lord is saying, are you paying attention to this? It's kind of like what we do in communication to emphasize the importance of something we will say, hey, you listening? And we'll repeat it again. Hey, you listening? Jesus would do that. He would say, verily, verily. Anytime he used those words, or surely, surely, it means sit up, pay attention. I've got something to tell you that you need to hear. And the fact that this story is repeated in all three of the synoptic gospels is significant in that it indicates there is a divine principle of life that the Lord wants us to understand. Before I really unpack it, I want you to notice the first thing Jesus did. He told the man full well knowing that the man was surrounded by people that wanted to pull him back down. He looked at the man and said, Step forward. I need somebody to say that. Step. Step where? Step where? Go around the problem? No. Back up? No. Step forward. To step forward meant that Jesus was directing him. You need to come closer to me than where you are standing where you're at right now. Hmm. Because breakthroughs and miracles happen in the presence of God. Yeah. 
that was worth the price of admission right there. Because I can promise you, in this broken world we live in, sooner or later, you're going to need help from above. And you don't want to be standing outside saying, hey, you in the house. Uh-uh. Step forward. Get where he is at. Because when you're in his presence, amazing things take place. I just received this text. Brian Dockstader is here. Brian, just stand if you would, right over here. Double lung transplant recipient at the end of his life. Until then, doing amazing and strong. Getting his whole family saved. He's one of the best personal evangelists you'll ever meet. He sent me a text and his brother... Carl and Carl's wife, Sharon, live in New York. And they watch the services with a group of people in their home. Hey, y'all, do y'all know we have a branch in New York? Amen. And Sharon sent this message and Brian forwarded it to me. Please put Becky on the prayer list at Inspire and have folks pray. Her oncologist is doing a biopsy next week. We need a miracle And I'm believing for one, but need support. If the biopsy comes back positive, it means stage four cancer. In Jesus' name, praying for a negative result. Thank you. Next text. The next day. Hmm. I have no words. I just received this from Becky's husband. She was going to the doctor that day. I don't understand what just happened. I sent you a report. Apparently, the oncology team met and went over those results I sent you. And they said, no cancer. Give God some praise. Because I rejoice with every one of you that receive a victory like that. I give God praise for every breakthrough you get in your life. He is the God of breakthrough. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. They will monitor the spots on her spine, but no biopsy. Yesterday, they said biopsy. Today, none. Yesterday, looks like stage four. Today, nope. You know why? Between yesterday and today, somebody prayed and got in the presence of God. When you get in the presence of God, Amazing things can happen. Somebody ought to take a praise break right now. If you've got a reason to praise him in your life, give it up to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus said step forward. And that means he needed to step away from the wrong influences. And that's the problem with some of us. We've got the wrong voices around us. You gotta leave the negativity. You gotta leave that group that says can't do it. Settle where you're at. You gotta leave that bunch that wants to pull you down to their level. You know what they say anyway. All you have to do is get successful and they're gonna start like, wonder where they're going to church now on Sunday. Hey, Mabel, let's park outside their house. Stoop down so they can't see us. And we're going to follow them and see where they're going and getting all of this. 
Don't get too close. They'll look in the rearview mirror and see it's us. People ought to see something in you that draws them to your God. Hallelujah. Step forward. You step forward, meaning you leave the past. All of us have one. How many of you have ever had anything bad go wrong in your life? I was only a few of you. The rest of you, I'll be out in the lobby at the end of the service. I would really like to shake your hand and ask, am I standing in the wrong place or something? Because the lightning, it, it keeps striking me. I have situations. As you know, I've been rear-ended eight times in automobile accidents. I've lost track. Jerry, you may remember, is it 33 or 34 surgeries? I honestly don't even remember it anymore. Fusions, laminectomies. I've got, I got all kinds of spinal fusions, disectomies, need replaced because it slammed into the dashboard of a car and on and on and on. I learned more about medicine than I ever intended to know going into ministry. And it's been because of what I've been through. Amen. And notice I said I was rear-ended eight times. I'm driving careful. And if y'all see me and it looks like me and the car is not being driven carefully, probably not me, just looks like my car. But here's how people drive these days. You know what's going to happen if you do that? You're going to run into me if you hadn't already. (laughs) You can't move into your future looking over your shoulder at your past. Step forward. I need somebody to say I'm stepping forward. Who am I preaching to right now? Who am I talking to in this house? You need to take a step toward God. Amen. And I'm just about done. You see the woman with the issue of blood. She had to stretch through the crowd. Stretching is a part of being a child of God. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14. And I don't have time to read it. The apostle Paul talks about how he pressed toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But the first thing he said I do is I forget those things which are behind. That's the problem with some of us. I want to ask you a sincere question. How long are you going to let the past rob you of your future? You say I was unkind. No, I'm nudging you. I'm saying stretch. I know it's hard to to forget the wounds and the scars. Man, I got it. I look like I look like I've been run over by a freight train. If you see all my scars, but that's not where I choose to live. That was yesterday. Today's a new day. Tomorrow there's a new promise. My God is sufficient for every need that I will encounter. 
You say, how are you still going on by the grace of God? That's how you're still going on by the grace of God. Oh, Lord. And it reminds me of the old James Cleveland song. He didn't bring me this far to leave me. No, he didn't. Stretch yourself. If God gives you a vision, you're going to have to stretch yourself to see it become a reality. Now, I'm not talking about getting all worked up in the flesh either. I'm talking about you're going to have to stretch your faith. But there was another message, and I'm really about done. There was another message in this story too. And one of those was for the Pharisees. Because in God's house, the very people that ought to have been helping that man were the ones standing in his way. Hmm. How many churches have you been in where the crabs that won't let you climb to the top are actually sitting on the pew right behind you? Don't turn around and look. Amen. The Pharisees were locked into shallow, self-limiting, go-nowhere, never-grow, and self-restricting thinking that was hurting their ability to be used by God as well. And unfortunately, they got carried away in that line of thinking. We need to stretch our thinking. Now, I want you to look at the person next to you and point your finger at your own chest and say, I need to stretch my thinking. Stretch. Stretch. Stretch your thinking. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thinking. And so as I finish up today, you say, but but pastor, you've kind of come on strong about the folk around you. Yeah, you have to be intentional and careful. Why? I'll give you four reasons and then I'll throw in a fifth. First of all, those around you influence your thoughts. Secondly, those around you influence your emotions. Fourthly, those around you influence your attitude. And fourthly, Those around you influence your decisions. You just watch it. You start hanging around people with the wrong attitude, your attitude goes south. They're always talking negatives. Next thing you know, your thinking is turned upside down. Look, all four of those then produce another result. And this is the fifth outcome of hanging around people that are content to let you stay within your limitations. And the fifth thing they will do is they determine your outcomes. Don't you give up to your future. Don't give up your future, I mean to say. By allowing people to abort your destiny. Sometimes, oh boy, here goes. Fasten your seatbelt. Settle in your seat because I'm gonna say it. Sometimes, you got to give somebody the wave. And I'm not talking about the wave at the Super Bowl. I mean like, see ya. Amen. I'm talking as somebody who almost lost his life 
as a teenager because of the influence of the wrong voices. You've got to change the way you relate to people, but you might have to change the people you relate to. Mm. Stop hanging around people who encourage your weakness. Stop hanging around people who the two of you struggle in the same area. So you know what you're going to tend to do to each other? Pull each other down. You need somebody to give you a hand up, not pull you down. Hallelujah. A sure formula for disaster is to surround yourselves with people who have the same weaknesses as you do. Sure formula for failure. And you know, yet those are the people we're the most often attracted to. Why? Because they don't stretch us. And stretching is uncomfortable. See all these athletes who stretch, you know, all that. No, just uh, get out of my way. I'm going straight to the gym machine. And then you pull a tendon because you didn't stretch. That was the mistake King Ahab made, and I really am done. He so, first of all, he had a weakness, and his weakness was in his spirituality. But you know what he did? Rather than trying to become strong, he married somebody that was weaker than he was. Jezebel. Talk about two people that were not good for each other. And then they surrounded themselves with prophets. And one day King Jehoshaphat, good King Jehoshaphat from Judah came over to visit him. And they were trying to to be at peace with one another. So Israel and Judah would not war with each other. And Jehoshaphat comes over. and, And Ahab says, you know... There are these people that have taken our land away. Would you go up and fight with me? And all of those 400 prophets ran up and said, Amen, God's in it. Go fight. Hallelujah, you will surely win. And Jehoshaphat listened and said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here besides that tells me that not only did Ahab Staff to his weakness rather than his strength. He surrounded himself with people that would not encourage him to turn weakness into strength. And Josephat said, I'm not going anywhere with you until I hear a word from God. Take the keys back from whoever's driving your life for you. Say, I'm in charge from here on out, me and God. Don't let everybody make your decisions for you. And I'm done. I really am. So let me just mention these things, and I'm closing, that can change your season. Number one, change your season by connecting to God. If you don't know him, get to. Number two, be willing to stretch. Stretch. Don't like it. The message, the word of God, my devotional life, my time reading the Bible, 
going to church and making a commitment to be there every service I can stretches me. Honoring God in my giving, my tithe, that stretches me. You'll always have a withered hand if you don't stretch. Number three, change your season by growing relationships that stretch you, but in the right direction. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. And then change your season by developing a devotional life that stretches and grows the relationship that you've begun with God. Don't be one of those Christians that's, I've been in the way 40 years. Yeah, you've been in the way 40 years. Y'all go figure out what that means. Amen. I'm not talking about the way of the cross either. I've been, I've been, I've been serving God 40. I got 40 years experience serving God. Some people say that and they've only got one year of experience 40 times over. Because they're not growing. Grow, stretch. Your relationship with God. Stretch. Painful. Painful. Every once in a while some, when somebody asks you, what are you doing? You ought to say, well, right now, I'm being stretched. And who is in the building is being stretched right now? Oh, wow. Did I help you? Stand with me across the building. Every head is bowed. Eyes are closed. I want to see the hands of those who'd slip up their hands. And you need to start at the very first point by developing a relationship with God, giving your heart to the Lord. And you will say, I need Christ in my life. Raise your hand right where you are, all over the building. All over the building. Hands going, keep, keep raising them. I need Christ. Oh, my heavens. Look at how many. I want to pray for you. Those of you at home, pray for you. And by the way, let me say that anything that I said a while ago is never meant to be so direct that it is harmful. I just am trying to point out the absurdity of us believing that we can move into our destiny and just remain the same. And so, Father, I pray for every person that has raised their hand. I pray that, Lord, you would come into their heart. We surrender our lives. We repent of our sins. We invite you to be our Savior. We believe in the efficaciousness of the blood of Jesus Christ. And ask for your guidance. And we willingly surrender the throne that self has been sitting on. Self-will. Flesh. And we invite you to be the Lord. Open up ye gates. Be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors. King of glory. We invite you to come in. In Jesus name. And everybody shouted and said amen. Let's welcome everybody that just prayed that prayer with us. Come on. I want to have a party for a moment. Can I hear somebody? 
Rejoice with the angels of heaven. The altars are open and this is what I want to do. All of those of you that feel yourself being stretched, come. I want to pray for you. Whether you're being stretched in a relationship, your finances, your marriage, your anointing, your education. There's grace to help in time of need. Your family, familial relationships, come. Move in close. If you're being stretched in a struggle to overcome something that's in your life that you want to conquer, God to help you. God to help you. I'll say this while you're coming down the aisle. When I got saved, I used to hear people give testimonies about how they were instantly delivered from things. That was never my testimony. I'd get upset. God, why them, not me? Hey, here I am, Lord. I got stretched dealing with stuff. And retrospectively, I value the victory because I had to work and trust God in the midnight hour to be able to achieve it. Anybody that's ever built a business knows what I'm talking about. You get stressed, stressed. Who's willing to allow God to stretch them? Stretch out your hand. That's what Jesus said. Stretch forth your hand. Father, I pray right now for every person who has had the honesty and been self-introspective enough to realize that you are their source. And right now, I'm asking you to give them strength, restore, heal the weakness in us. Whatever that weakness might be, turn it into a strength. Don't let us be limited because we would not stretch to become strong in the area we were weak in. We don't want to accommodate weakness in our lives and say, oh, it's just going to be like that the rest of my life. No, it hurts, but we're stretching. We're stretching ourselves in the midnight hour. I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to fast. I'll worship until my breakthrough comes. I'm going, I'm going somewhere in this process. Give God some praise. Breakthrough is coming. Breakthrough is coming. Breakthrough is coming. Breakthrough is coming.